0: To 44222, or you can go to my website at askdennisbrown.com forward slash guide. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Michael Zapersky, and he's the CEO of Consulting Success, where he specializes in helping entrepreneurial consultants grow profitable, scalable, and strategic consulting businesses. He's helped over 500 consultants from around the world in 75 countries add six and seven figures to their annual revenues. He's got an amazing podcast called the Consulting Success Podcast, correct? You got it. Welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Hey, good to be with you. Thanks, Dennis.
0: All right. So you're from Canada.
1: Yep. Don't hold it against me.
0: Yeah. I won't hold it against you. And we're all going through a bunch of lunacy here with trying to get out of this lockdown. So we had some kind of a funny conversation about that before we hit record. But today, just to tease everybody and give you a sense, we're going to talk about something interesting. And that is, you know, there's a couple of things you that you, you can't market. There's some things that you can't do in marketing unless you have the successful ingredients, unless you have a couple of very important ingredients. And Michael's going to talk about those ingredients today, but it's because it's building a business, starting a business, growing a business. If you're going to do it in a repeatable format that's going to have any sustainability, you know, you're going to have to have ingredients that work, just like when you're baking a cake, right? So we're going to bake a cake today, and that cake is going to. Help exactly what Michael does, which is you know, consultants start and grow successful businesses. So before we get into that, talk to us a little bit about you know, kind of how you got here. Give us a quick you know, one or two minute backstory and kind of how you got into this whole consulting success business, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, how far do you want to go back? Like early, early years. Two minutes or? worth. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. So <laughs> I'll start off where I think it'll add a bit, a bit of context to my story, which is I was born in Toronto at a young age actually two years old, my parents moved my sister and I to Israel. Spent the next four and a half years living in Israel, being surrounded by, by cultures and languages, all kinds of people that were a first for me. Came back to Canada, this time to Vancouver, six and a half years old, did not speak English, did not know anybody, felt like a complete outsider. I wanted to, to be known. I wanted to be recognized. And so I channeled all that, that kind of energy that I had at a young age into sports. So I spent many of my early years playing sports rugby baseball, basketball, soccer, track and field, which I w- was very competitive at. And around university, my cousin Sam and I started talking about this idea of building business together or starting a business, which is what we did when I was just transitioning from high school into my first year of college, started our first consulting business, which was called Fingertip Media. And so we were really focusing on web design and consulting for companies. This was pretty early back in the day around websites. And so my cousin Sam was focused on the uh, development and kind of design, I was focused on the communications, the marketing, the interactions with with clients. That and a whole bunch of of reading, you know, led us to start to get some experience in that area. And we kind of parlayed that into starting another business a few years later. This time focusing much more on on visual branding and marketing. I ended up going over to Japan to open up a branch office for our company. Worked with some very large organizations like Panasonic, Dow Jones, Financial Times, Omron, Sumitomo, a whole bunch of others. And then spent several years yeah building that business in Japan. Came back to Canada, started another consulting business helping professional services firms uh, generate leads. So think financial advisors, insurance companies, other consulting firms. And around that time, Sam and I, who were working on different things, we were at a family barbecue one summer and said, "Hey, you know, we should do something again together, but this time we should do it online." And that was the idea for Consulting Success where we just started sharing our experiences the kind of the good the bad the ugly the stories from the trenches of what it's really like to be a consultant and people said hey this is great content do you guys have a course where we can like learn how to become consultants we said no but we'll build one people took that course got great results said hey do you guys is there a way to work more closely with you and we said not really but we don't have a coaching program but we'll create one and so we did and so here we are 13 years later of working with consultants helping them to grow as you said profitable scalable and strategic consulting businesses Uh, We have clients all over the world and we love what we do.
0: When did you launch your first course around starting a consulting business?
1: So it probably was about 11 years ago, I would say.
0: Oh, wow. So it's been a while.
1: Yes. Yeah. We've been doing it for quite some time, seeing a lot of changes in the industry.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Absolutely. All right. So what type of consulting were you doing when you were overseas? I mean, it was lead gen. Was it more lead gen? Like I think that's what you alluded
1: to. No. So that was when I came back to, to Canada. We were focusing on lead generation. When I was over in Japan running our company over there, it was much more around design, branding, marketing. So, for example, with Panasonic, when they wanted to launch a new battery line, but targeting the English speaking markets, Europe, North America, we advised them and worked with them on that project. So, our focus when we were in Japan was really helping large Japanese organizations or Japanese clients to, to communicate more effectively to English speaking markets. Gotcha. Okay, great.
0: All right. So, why don't we do this? I want to dig right in. And w- today we're going to talk about the two most important ingredients you have to have in order to bake a successful marketing cake. Let's call it that, right? And so why don't you take it away? Why don't you break that apart for us? I know there's two primary components and then you know, I'll inject as needed, but I'm going to let you steer the ship.
1: Yeah, please do. And de- definitely jump in, Dennis, at any time. But I'll just start off by saying, as you and know, I were speaking earlier, that to have effective marketing, yeah, you need to have these two components. It's, it's very rare to find marketing that works successfully without these two and so this kind of comes you know just a quick story you we know we'll have consultants reaching out to us every day saying hey you know I want help with my marketing I want to generate more leads and that's really what most people want right you want more leads you want more stronger more robust pipeline and the question of people always wonder is like what do I need to be doing differently with my marketing and the reality is that it's it's not really your marketing it's the foundation before you actually get to your marketing so people think marketing they think, they think marketing strategy they think marketing tactics they think, should I be doing LinkedIn or Facebook or YouTube or webinars or all this other stuff? And all that stuff is great and it has its place and it's important. But the, the two ingredients we want to start with before you can actually have effective marketing, the first is what we call ideal client clarity. And it's this idea that if you're don't, if you not crystal clear on who your ideal client is, it's very challenging for you to do anything else effectively. And the example of that is, if you're not clear on who your ideal client is, how can you offer a product or service that really speaks to your ideal client, right? that helps them to solve their problems or helps them to get the results that they want? It's very challenging to do that if you don't know who your ideal client is. The other example here would be let's say I said to you, Dennis, right now, okay, you have one hour, Dennis, to go out and market to your clients. You have one hour to do marketing in your business. If you're not clear on who your ideal clients are, how are you going to spend that one hour? How are you going to spend your time, right? You're going to have too many different people. You're not going to be really sure. You're going to be trying to find different people. And so it lends itself to being a real waste of time. Instead, when you're crystal clear on who your ideal clients are, you can say, oh, yeah, I work with pharmaceutical CFOs or I work with you know owners of mid-sized manufacturing companies in the New York state area. Like if you know who your ideal client is, you can identify them very quickly and then you can start to to speak their language. The other challenge when you are not clear on who your ideal client is is that you typically need to have many different messages. When someone says like what do you do Dennis? And if you have three different target audiences and you're just early stage in your business, then how do you respond? Oh, well I work with these people and I work with these people and I work with these people. That makes it very challenging for someone to actually remember what it is that you do. And so now you're not memorable, which means that you're going to get less referrals, less people talking about what you do, less people you know, introducing you because they're not going to remember what it is that you do because you've given them too much information. So the opposite of that is to be very clear about who your ideal client is. The more narrow, the more specialized that you can become around this, especially at the early stages of your business, the better. And I'll offer one quick illustration of this, which is if you take a company like Stripe. So Stripe, are you familiar with Stripe, Dennis? Payment processor? Yep, for sure. Cool. So back in the day, right? Stripe looked at the marketplace. They saw people like PayPal, Authorize.net, whoever it might be. And they were thinking, well, how can we get into this uh, payment processing marketplace? Well, if you go to Stripe's website today, you'll see a message that pretty much says, you know, we provide payment processing for the whole world, all sizes of companies, any stage, everyone. And you look at that and go, well, Michael, they're not practicing ideal client clarity. They're not specialized. They're targeting everybody. But the thing is, go back in time and look at, if you could use the, the Wayback Machine online, you can actually see Stripe's early website. And their initial message was payment processing for developers. So they got very clear on who they were actually serving. And that's how they, they were able to actually get into the marketplace to differentiate themselves, to cap, capture market share, because they, they very clearly knew exactly who their ideal clients were. And everything else then put out into the marketplace was based on that clarity. So that's the first part. Any, any questions, Dennis, on the ideal client clarity, or should we jump to the second piece?
0: Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. So you talked about Identifying that clarity, that ideal client clarity. What, I mean, your example was good. And I, I like that. I really like that example of, of the Stripe example because what you see now and what you saw three years, five years, seven years, or however long they've been in business, you know, that breadcrumbs, those breadcrumbs they left yeah. along the way tell a really interesting story,
1: right? I'll give you another one. So, LEK Consulting, are you familiar with Richard Kosh? He writes 8020. Um, yeah. You know, okay. So he's written, yeah, many books around the AE20 principle, Predo principle. Great author, really good books. So he founded after working, I think it was Boston Consulting Group or Bain. He, he worked some of the large consulting firms. He started LEK Consulting in the UK. When LEK first started, let me back up. If you go to LEK's website today, I'll do the same way as I introduced Stripe. You will see they, they target probably 15 different industries. They have multiple different specializations. So you can look at that and Michael, here's a very successful consulting firm, generating hundreds of millions of dollars, probably a 1,000 plus employees and staff around the world. They're targeting many different people. Why do I need to specialize? Well, again, go back in time. Look at the Wayback Machine. You'll see the L.E.K. and Richard talks about this in many of his books and and podcasts and so forth, that L.E.K. started with a focus around merger and acquisition and shareholder valuation advisory services. That's all they did. Why did they do that? Because all the other consulting firms were focusing on other things. They were focusing on typical strategy, market you know, entry and penetration, so on and so forth. So they picked an area that wasn't really being served. They picked that specialization, targeting that specific type of organization that needed those services. And that's how they started to capture market share and then get to the point where they are today.
0: Yeah. I like that. And you know, so they were really super niche and then they expanded into other markets and other targets and other audiences over time you know, once they got a lot you know, once they started exhausting some of those markets and they wanted to expand. So that may, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, good. Well, let's pivot over into the second ingredient, right? Which is really cool. And I think is going to be obviously a very important part of the cake.
1: Yeah. So this is what we call the magnetic message. And you've probably heard this being talked about as a unique selling proposition or something along those lines, but it's really developing a message that will get the attention and interest of your ideal clients. because. The day the kind of the, the age that we're in right now is we all have more options, more choices, more noise, more hype in the marketplace than we've ever had before. And you can see this as a consumer when you go to to buy juice or buy tissue paper or, you know, anything, there's just more of everything out there, more people who want access to us, more ads in front of our faces. To cut through that noise, to cut through that clutter, you need to have a message that really speaks directly to your ideal client. If you go too broad, if you're not clear on who your ideal client is, if your message is trying to talk to too many different people, it will talk to no one. And that's why when you look at marketing, people are putting out messages, they're doing lots of different things. Like They're very active with marketing, but they're not really attracting you know, any leads. Or if they are getting some leads, the leads typically tend out to be the wrong people. And the reason for that is because their messaging is not targeting the right person, and they don't actually have a message that speaks directly to that person. So there's a three-part formula that we're going to talk about here, as I mentioned, Dennis, that I'll introduce on how to develop a magnetic message. It's Remember three Ws. So the first W in the formula is who. And who is really just taking your ideal client clarity. So our example, let's say that your ideal client is a pharmaceutical CFO. And you might even go further and say it's a pharmaceutical CFO in the US or in a specific state or whatever it might be. But the more folks you, you can be, the better. So pharmaceutical CFO is your who. Because if you are a pharmaceutical CFO, or if I say to you right now, Dennis, like we're talking, you're, you're in Buffalo, mm-hmm. you like to fish. If I said, hey, everyone in Buffalo who likes to fish, like there could be a lot of noise going on, but right away, I got your attention. Yeah, right? Because that's you're there, you like to fish, now I'm speaking to you. It's the same with your messaging. You, you want to use, or you want to state who your ideal client is, because they will see themselves as that person because they are. So if I say pharmaceutical CFO of a global pharma company, if that is you, you will now take notice. That's the first part. The second part is what. And there's actually two components to the what. And the first is, what is the problem or problems that your ideal clients have? And this is really important because... When you speak to a problem that somebody has, you will get their attention. If you have really bad neck pain or back pain and someone says, "Hey, you know, I have a relief for neck pain," they will instantly if they can turn their neck, like, you know, turn their head, they'll, they'll look at you because that's what you're dealing with. If you are, let's say, your marriage is suffering and somebody says that they help people who to to solve their marriage, you know, and relationship issues, that's going to get your attention. If you're if you like to fish and someone says, hey, there's a really great lake to go fishing not far from here, they, it's, that's going to get your attention. So you want to speak to, I mentioned problems, but I'm going to talk to this, uh, the second component in just a moment. You want to speak to what people are thinking about. And problems are, are one of these things that we often spend a lot of time in where, when we're you know, exercising or driving to work or in front of our computers. We're thinking about how can we overcome challenges that we have, these roadblocks. So if you speak to, if you address those specific problems, you will get people's attention. The second part, the second component of the what is the result. So you speak to what is the problem that somebody has, and what is the result that they want to see, that they want to experience when that problem is solved. When you hit on those two things, you're really going to capture people's attention and interest because it's going to say to them, "This person understands what's going on in my mind right now, what I'm thinking about, the challenges that I'm I'm contemplating," and they clearly understand and have identified the result that is important to me, the result that I want to see more of. So that's the second W. The third W is one that, unfortunately, a lot of people completely forget, and it's why, as in why you. If you're a solo independent consultant, it's you know, why you personally. If you have a team around you, it's why your company, why your brand, why your offering. But it's critical that you talk about the why. And, and I'll break down a few criteria of how to actually think about your why. So one example might be your years of experience. If you've you've been in this business longer than anyone else in the business, you might want to use that and talk about it because it's an advantage. If you have demonstrated and have a great track record of results, like maybe you're in the fundraising business and you work with nonprofits, and you've been successful in helping nonprofits to raise a billion dollars in additional funding so you can make a greater impact, well, that's likely going to get the attention and interest of your ideal client because it's very tangible, and it's different from what other people are likely not even saying. Another might be logos. And logos stands for what are the organizations that you've worked with? They could be past employers, or they might be clients of yours. But when you say, oh yeah, you know, we've worked with, with Microsoft and, and Google and whoever else, if your ideal clients know those companies and respect those companies, that establishes credibility in their minds. And they think to themselves, wow, this company, this person must be very good at what they do because they've worked with these other clients that I know and I respect. There's other criteria like a guarantee. But when you Start to really think about why you, what differentiates you, what unique experiences or achievements or accomplishments do you bring to the table? Or what is no one in your industry talking about that you can you can start talking about that would be meaningful to your ideal clients? When you have that as the why, it really starts to make your message significantly more compelling. Cause you can say, Oh yeah, I work with these kinds of people doing these things. But if you add on the why component, it adds significantly more credibility, authority, and really starts to position you as an expert which makes it again, more believable. And that now becomes more conducive to somebody wanting to actually engage with you, or at least learn more of what you have to offer, read more of your stuff, whatever it might be, because you're more believable. So those are the three elements. And the next step, once you have those, and you've kind of worked through that process is to begin putting them together to develop a statement. So you're able to say, you know, we help X type of people to solve these types of problems so they can see these kinds of results. And then you go on to talk about, you know, Our clients typically see these kinds of results, or you know, we've worked with A, B, and C. And so you really then hone in on your why. And so you put these three different components together into a couple of sentences. So when someone says, Hey, Dennis, what do you do? Right, you're not thinking, well, uh, I do this, I do that, or oh, I work with businesses or I help people with accounting. You're not kind of just trying to communicate this general idea. You're laser targeted with your specific ideal client. So if you're talking to somebody who is an ideal client, they feel like you're, you're speaking directly to them, or even if they're not an ideal client, your message becomes much more memorable. So when they are talking to somebody who might need what you have to offer, it's easier for them to remember you because that message was so focused and on point. And when you have that, you want to put it onto your website, you want to put it on you know, into your LinkedIn profile, you want to work it into your content. And I'll stop right there, Dennis, you go ahead. Yeah, I like that. That's a great
0: framework for people to follow, particularly with that magnetic messaging, right? the who, the what, the why, right? So here's a question for you. Let's assume somebody, and I can almost assure that you've had this question hundreds of times in the last 11 years, and that is, I'm a startup. I don't have any customers. I'm just getting started. This is the niche that I want to go after. This is is my audience that I'm going after, right? CFOs of financial service companies in New York. I've identified that. If I don't have the logos... And I don't have the results yet. How do you? Because I have a feeling that there's a lot of people in this, you know, in this that'll fall into this bucket, right? In that they're like, yeah, but you know, why me, right? And they're struggling for the why, sure. right? Yeah. So, what's been your experience there? What can you lend to that conversation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a couple of approaches and a bit of a distinction between whether you're offering services or you're offering products. I'll, I'll speak to services first, and we can hit on products if you want as well, but. In the services realm, so let's say you're a consultant or you want to become a consultant, and yeah, you, you've never consulted before. So what you'd still want to do is you want to look at where have where have you worked before? Because if you've been part of of teams, you know, even if you've you whether you've been a leader or, or you've just worked as in management or or some you know position inside an organization, you've likely had some achievements, some accomplishments. You've been part of of engagements, of projects, of initiatives, and you've hopefully created some form of results. If you haven't then i would say you probably shouldn't get into consulting you shouldn't probably you know the whole idea of consulting is that you're taking expertise that you've developed where you truly believe that you can help people you can add value you can you know leave them better off than when you before you met them if you don't have that then you got to get that experience before you start trying to offer those services but it's not so much about what have you done as a consultant so even if you don't have that consulting experience yet you want to look at what other experience do you have and let's take for example that maybe you don't have the experience that you think is what what you need well, one of the best ways to get more experience and to get more results and to get more proof is to find ways to take on projects. And maybe it's not going to be at the, the rate or the level that you want in terms of compensation, but you could offer to do some work pro bono and then develop a case study, get a testimonial, then leverage that to go out and you know into your marketing and just to say to others, hey, here's what we've done. And now you're going to actually start to have content or ideas or proof that, that you can use. And you can do that through joining associations and finding, you know can you get involved in pro- other projects that people have? You can approach people and say, hey, here's what the value is of, of doing this, but I'd like to offer it to you because I'm earlier stage. I'd like to just prove my value to you. So I'm going to do it for free, or I'll do it at a significantly reduced rate. Here's what the value is. So you can see it on invoice, but I'm going to cross that off and I'm just going to put zero here. So you can, you can see if you do that kind of stuff, right? You, you have to have the hunger. You have to have the true desire, but if you're committed to, to being successful, then you absolutely can start to accumulate the expertise and the experience that you might feel that you lack right now. I
0: love that. That's a perfect example, right? I mean, work for free. We've all done it at some stage in our career. I mean, you know, I remember doing work for free and then I leveraged those case studies and those testimonials and and all the goodwill that was generated through the the results that I generated with no remuneration and then parlayed that into all kinds of clients and all kinds of revenue later. I mean, it just but a lot of people resist that whole concept of doing the work for free. And I get it. You know, you need to value your time, but you also need to get started, right? You need to supplement that story. You need to draw that picture for everybody else that you will be able to charge, you know, a fair rate for later. And sometimes you gotta, you know, take a step back before you take two steps forward.
1: And I think it also comes down to people facing that feeling of discomfort. You know, it's not easy necessarily to go out and to contact people who you don't have a relationship with, especially if you're doing something new, you're entering a new environment. That's what business is about, right? If I often say, Dennis, there's a big difference between a consultant. And what we call an entrepreneurial consultant. A consultant could essentially be a contractor, someone who just does work, right? You're focused on delivery. Well, an entrepreneurial consultant is someone who's actually, they want to you know, be involved in delivery to a degree, maybe, and maybe down the road they don't want to be involved. But the idea is they want to build a business. They want to be able to create significantly more value, have more freedom, have more flexibility, be able to make a bigger impact, a bigger income. You can't do that from just being a consultant. So the idea is you know, what do you really want? And get clear on that. There's nothing wrong with just being a consultant, but then you're not building a business exactly perfect
0: all right anything else you want to add about that I got a couple rap, more rapid fire questions before we go and then um, I'll turn it over to you
1: yeah no I mean uh, there's if anyone wants to dive deeper into any of that stuff we have a lot of free resources on both those topics at consultingsuccess.com or as you mentioned we talk about some of that stuff at times on the consulting success podcast but no let's let's keep going
0: perfect all right what's one growth tool software app something that you use to grow your business right I mean I'm, I know there's probably hundreds we all are App and SaaS product crazy, but if you had to pick one that you couldn't live without, what would it be?
1: Okay, I'm going to be. A, may I take it from a different perspective? You tell me if I can add a second, if you want. But there's a, an app that I love called Crisp, K R I S P. And what this does is it will, using artificial intelligence, it blocks out any noise. So let's say you and I are doing this this podcast right now, and maybe a, you know a, a kid. I'm in the office. There's no kids here, but let's say I have a garbage truck that comes right by the door of the office. I can hear it, but you can't hear it. Right or there's construction. There's kids running around. Dogs barking. So this is not necessarily a typical growth tool, but I think there's a lot of people, especially given what's been going on the last you know year and a half plus, that feel a little bit of you know this discomfort or unease when you're doing calls and you're having meetings because there's noise around you. Well, imagine if you could remove that noise completely and just be focused on the moment and not worry about the coming stuff coming in. So yeah, that's that's called crisp. Do you want another one or? I think that would come in pretty handy on a podcast too, right? Amazing! It, it just keeps the audio quality significantly better because it's just really focusing around around the microphone. So yeah, I've been using it now for uh, for several years, and I was actually just talking to a neighbor yesterday about how when you find products that you truly love, like they just do a great job. It's funny how easy it is to talk about them to other people. It's you know I feel like I should be a sales rep for this company. How many people I've referred to them? And he was telling me he's like, oh yeah, I love the Remarkable too. That you know the tablet you can use to to write notes and all that kind of stuff. And so when you find a tool that you really enjoy, it's just so easy to talk about it. And I think. For all of us as, as business owners, that's the kind of company that we should also espouse to create where we provide that level of, of service and quality and everything else, the experience that people just want to talk about.
0: Yeah. Love it. All right. Great. And what would be one book that we, you would recommend? Maybe something that helped you on your journey or you think might help them on theirs. Oh, and, man. and again, it's hard. One book is hard. Yeah. I mean, look, look behind me. You know, I, I get it. But if you had to pick one, maybe a recent one or something that was very uh, profound or okay.
1: so, important to you. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you a more recent one that I've shared with a lot of clients will last a little bit, which is uh, the Invisible Game by Simon Sinek. The whole concept behind this is that so often people are playing like the, you know, the finite game. You're, you're focused on, it's like a set number of players and you, you know, you're trying to achieve goals by a specific date. And you're really hard on yourself if you don't achieve it. It's like, oh yeah, we're supposed to get revenue to, it, to X by this point. And then you're looking at competition and you're thinking like, oh yeah, there's the whole idea behind this book is to allow yourself to, to create a lot more space. You don't have to like rush To try and achieve success. right? So often as entrepreneurs, we're focused on the destination and we're not enjoying the journey. And I think what this book does and other books like it, Dan Sullivan's The 25-Year Framework, another great book on this topic, you can actually see that, yeah, I have a lot more time to enjoy. And so when you start to enjoy the journey a lot more and the process and what you're working through, not only is it more enjoyable, but you actually create a better result. So those those are a couple of books that uh, I think every entrepreneur should read.
0: Love it. Well, listen, Michael, let everybody know how they can connect with you, Learn more about consulting success, check out your podcast maybe, and uh, we'll wrap it up for today.
1: Yeah. Sounds great. Uh, so yeah, home base for everything is consultingsuccess.com. We have probably about a thousand articles and resources on the site, but if you want our top ones, the ones that are the most popular that people uh, just you know constantly kind of mention, we've compiled them into one 47 page guide. It's called the consulting blueprint. And you can get that for free by going to consultingsuccess.com forward slash blueprint.
0: Perfect. All right. Listen, I'll make sure I put those links in the show notes. Totally appreciate you being here. Congrats on all your success. And I'm sure we'll chat again soon.
1: Thanks so much, Dennis. You too.
0: Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.